This is the Amner Martinez Podcast. Welcome to the Amner Martinez Podcast. My name is Amner Martinez, and I will be your host. I am an immigrant from the country of Guatemala, and I've been living in Iowa since 1995. My professional background is in the staffing and recruiting industry, and I have been heavily involved in the local entertainment scene for the last 12 years. In this podcast, I will be sharing conversations with local people in entertainment, business, sports, nonprofits, food, arts, and culture. So stick around for some great conversations. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Fit Podcast. The what? <laughs> the the fifth. Ah, okay. The, the fifth. fifth podcast with one of the coolest cats in Des Moines, Jeff Naples, a master mixologist. Uh, we were sipping on some mezcal, and we talked about tequila, martinis, rum, whiskey, yelping, the Iowa, you know, restaurant scene a little bit, what he does. We talked about Moscow Mules, the psychology behind bartending, how he's kind of worked in his way to being more of a teacher, mentor, uh, and how he helps businesses start their own restaurants with their with uh, the the drink menu. Nice. He told us about his TV show with High V on HSTV. And we talked a bunch of other stuff. So if you like spirits, then you're going to like this. This is Jeff Naples. Thank you for joining me. Yeah. I have Jeff Naples here. Naples or? Naples, yeah. Like, Naples. Like Naples, like Florida now. It used to be Napoli. Uh-huh. Now it's Naples. So so check out this. You're the expert. So it's a mezcal. Is, yeah. Monte Alvaro. This is the, the worm in it. Or yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Got the worm in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know, so what is it? Mixologist? Gastronomist? Yeah. So well, uh, I, what, I'm, what, I'm uh, technically a certified master mixologist, which basically means fancy bartender mm-hmm. or kind of like what other people call it like bar chef, create menus, do spirit tests and grading. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, just a nice way to make yourself feel like you actually went to school for something. And <laughs> you're not, you're not just the, the dishwasher, but Okay, give me one second. So, but I'm gonna get some lime. Though. Cool. I wanna give you the full service, man. Like bartender wise. Yes. <laughs> I don't get that very often. Mezcal bottles say like, don't like take a shot, like sip it. Yeah, it's a sip. Uh, there are different types, and depending on like, I forget what. Let's see. So, by looking at proof, the alcohol percentage and proof. Like this one is 80 proof. Mm-hmm. So some of them are a little different. Obviously, you want to – and it goes by region, how people drink and what they prefer. Like yeah. so uh, if you run into like some of the Del Maguias, uh mezcals particularly, like they're meant to be drank out of terracotta, terracotta like pot style. Okay. And they drink them out of that. And then if they – they usually – they don't do lime with anything. If mm-hmm. they do, like they'll do like orange skin. Sometimes you can do some – like they'll do like a lime twist over the top. Just the skin, uh, but it, it kind of goes by region and, and like village, from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. bastardize tequila in the states pretty <laughs> pretty regularly. So we, uh, you know, it, it's kind of do what you want to do here. So uh, so here you go. Cheers. Cheers. Smells pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Every everything's good. What we'll do on with the with the lime here? Yeah, yeah. So mezcal's like getting trendy now, right? Mm-hmm. Or like in the last what couple years? Very trendy. Mezcal is off the charts trendy right now. Yeah, which so, is great. I mean, it, it's an it's a new economy completely for a lot of villages in Mexico. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It, it is. Uh, for example, Del Maguia, as I said, uh, um, their single village uh, mezcals, they have an entire economy that's brought running water, school, to these small villages. A village in Osaka that, that makes it um, is they, they still do it the old way. They use a, it's called an autoclave, and they cook the agaves underground. Uh-huh. They bring them in, and they have a donkey that on a pole, like on a two hundred year old system, that walks over and crushes them. Yeah, and. You know, this is a village that, like I said before, didn't have running water. And these mezcals being now shipped to the States and elsewhere around the world has brought them, you know, schools, running water, clothes, things that they didn't have before. Wow. You know, so. so the talk is that um, – so mezcal is like moonshine. Mm-hmm. It was, you know. So I started from pulque, which is like yep. – uh, like the poor people, like yeah. uh, beer, you know, or like drink. yeah, uh, yeah, the drink, um, which is you know, it was in the, the Aztecians. They they had poke that was they made a little different than what tequila and mezcal is now. Um, I would say, but you know, it's made from the agave. It was yeah, grown yeah, from yeah. the agaves, and which take forever to grow, you know. Right. And so the other way that they would make it. So. The the funny thing about it is that now it's become like the trendiest Mexican, like where all the trendy. Uh, rich people got that now they have mezcal where before yes. it used to be like looked down upon. Now yeah, it's absolutely. Like, you know, tequila ooh. was seen as the going rate, the A plus standard for many years. Or yeah. now people, but the, what made mezcal kind of the lower standard for many years was that it had so many unique tastes. You have these companies like Patron, for example, um, that you know they make their tequilas that all have very very consistent taste, um, and. And anytime you any just like bourbon, so when bourbon had this big uprising in the last ten years, um, anytime you have a bourbon that's made from different things at a different time, aged at different temperatures, they're all going to have a little bit of different taste. Mezcal is very much the same. Yeah. Whereas these mass-produced tequilas that we were come to know as for many many years were all made with this very very exact taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when you made a margarita or you know any any type of of drink with a with a an agave-based spirit. You you went for that consistency. Every tequila is a mezcal, but no mezcals are tequilas by sense. Even though they're basically made the same. I mean, if aging process and it's kind of like uh, whiskey is bourbon, but bourbon. Yes. Somebody try, and I still that still doesn't make sense to me. You know, it catches me. Somebody I, I know this, and I like think about it sometimes. And like, there's times where I go back to beginner books and read about it just to kind of learn. But yeah, that's exactly it. And with a uh, mezcal, so tequila can only be made in like I believe it's it used to be. They were going to change it to the nine states. I don't know if they have yet, but it was the t- seven states of tequila, one of them being tequila. Uh-huh. And then, you know, everything else was mezcal. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, for for rights of, of alcohol spirit names, just like champagne can only be made in Champagne, France. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and then yeah. you have, you know, sparkling wine, same kind of thing, yeah. um, where now people have, like you said, it, it's kind of, I think you see those trends across the world in anything where once people start to learn about it, they kind of pick up something like, this is less known, so it's really cool. Yeah. Well, mezcals are known for having their smoky flavors. They're mm-hmm. really deep, warm flavors, whereas tequilas seem to be more mellow and kind of just, you know, you have like your golds, your silvers, your reposados, your anejos, your extra anejos. Um, you got your you got your mezcals that come out, and you have some really unique ones that are yeah. really expensive, but they're just so unique in their own right. So, you know, and, and 
Mezcals tend to be kind of expensive right now, and they they do take a a bit of processing to make. Like I think you know this bottle, these bottles run around twenty dollars, twenty twenty five bucks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you get into like you know the Vitas that are up in the the fifty dollar range, and you get into the um, the other the other Del Magias that get up in the seventy five, and then the hundred dollar and the one seventy five. Um, I, I when I was in New York um, here two years ago now, we we sampled some of the new Del Magias products that were coming out. One was a, a sample of a bottle that's there's only there's five thousand bottles ever being made. And they're going there like ten thousand dollars a bottle, Jeez. and yeah, I mean, but that's you know, and it's, a, it's an amazing story behind the product, and they do they do some wonderful things. But now that you're starting to see these other mezcals pop up, um, the problem with any of the tequila trade um, is that, like I said, how America has kind of bastardized it for a while. What do you that, mean by that? <laughs> well, we we've, we basically taken it in as like we want your tequila, mm-hmm. we don't need to adhere to your standards. Mexican standards for tequila obviously say that only things made in the seven states of tequila or tequila. Okay. Whereas we've taken it and said, we'll take whatever you can give us. Cause yeah. we enjoy your cheap tequila. Yeah. You know, everyone likes to go get their 99 cent margarita at the Mexican restaurant. Yes. That is nothing near what a real margarita is or yeah. any, any real agave spirit. Um, but so we said, give us what you want. We don't have to adhere to your standards. So we will buy whatever. So things that were made, like they take an agave, you chop it off kind of like a use example. And it always grosses people out. But if you were to take your finger and chop it off mm-hmm. and, like I need to produce as much blood as I can, and I don't want to bleed out, so I'm going to chop that thing off, and I'm going to wrap a, a gauze around it. I'm going to dip it in the dirt first, and I'm going to let it swell up with pus. Now I'm going to take that pus, I'm going to turn that into tequila. Yum. Yeah, and then I'm going to add other things to it, like <laughs> sugars and caramels and flavoring things that add color to it that speed up the process. And those are called mixtos, so it can derive 49% of its sugar from anything other than blue agave. It's a mixed dough. Uh, those are what you see. Like those are your nine dollars. So that's tequilas. what you mean when you, when it has bad. Yes, and so when you do that, you take an economy that's a small village that's growing things that take ten years to grow, and they're cooking it, and they're having donkeys step on it, and then they're aging it. You know, they're, they're distilling it and aging it, and this whole process. And you're taking that and you're wiping it out. You're basically going to the McDonald's of, yeah, yeah, of yeah, burgers yeah. and saying like, why I, I'm gonna sell mine for ninety nine cents while you're selling yours for seven dollars. And so it's the cheap stuff made its way here because of the process of we need this, we want it, yeah. and we'll take whatever you isn't can give that us. The, isn't that like the norm though? It like is. I you mean, get a good product, and even in music or anything, like you're absolutely right. Something's good, and then it, we find a way to fucking trash mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. It's the model of the world. Yeah. Uh, when you look at McDonald's or any commercialized product, whether it be chocolate cake, anything, it's like this isn't the best, but it's not the worst. It's like the it, best. Uh, uh, as good as it's as good as all the others uh-huh. same thing but when you look at an, an industry that's a multi-billion dollar industry like booze you know it just as much as drug trade it is and they're like well we want to have a hand in this and yeah, if we yeah. can create cheap shit yeah, and yeah. sell it off as nice shit yeah, yeah make yeah, yeah, three yeah. times the money off it and do it twice as fast we're going to do it yeah and so it means bottling and packaging so by doing that like by america saying give us everything you got just like with cocaine we'll take it we're we have the money. We will spend it. We'll do it. They, you know, we like it. Well, yeah. Well, we we don't want to be the bad guys, but yeah. we'll we you know we aren't going to say we're the bad guys, but we're even though we need it, we'll consume it. We'll consume it. We'll take it. Well, we we don't want to cut your fingers off for it, but if someone else is going to do it, we'll do it. We'll take yeah. it. Yeah, that's kind of our that's kind of the American way, I think it has been, and you see that, and that's kind of what's happened there. And so we took this flood of you know American companies buying in, saying, "Give us whatever you got. Yeah. Don't yeah, set yeah. any standards for it." 
Do you think Mezcal hasn't been bastardized though? Has it? No, I don't think it has yet. I mean, I think uh, I don't. I don't think you really can. I mean, I think there there are probably products out there, honestly, that are not very good. Yeah. Um, and they're they're kind of doing that, but I think there's probably it, it's like anything. It's rooted in you know the knowledge and which comes behind it. And as long as it's you know you're doing the right thing on it, I don't yeah. think it's like I've always said. I don't think there's such thing as a bad drink. I don't yeah. think there's such thing as a bad meal i think there's just perspective on it sure. so like when you go to you, know, you look at a yelp review or you go to a restaurant and if i have something that i don't like i'm never going to go on there and be like it was terrible yeah, because yeah, it yeah. wasn't terrible somebody else likes it it just wasn't my my yeah, flavor profile i don't know yeah. enough about my flavor profile to say that i you know i don't have the guts to like uh do that because I don't either. I don't know who who does. Like if you if you can go on a computer, a lot of people, a lot of people. Like, and I don't know where that stems from. Obviously, they maybe they hated their parents. I don't. I don't know. I was like, there's got to be something. People get behind that now, and that's you know, I, I think it's interesting because there's times where I've gotten caught up in it, whether it be the restaurant that I was a part of myself opening and and creating and 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 had you know money invested in, or whether it be menus that I've wrote. Yeah. And you become obsessive with looking at reviews. Yeah. Um, and you, you can't do that because they don't mean anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the one of the best, I think probably what would be considered one of the best menus I've ever put together was a completely um, farm-to-table menu that everything that was grown on this family farm and brought into the restaurant. And it was a multi-million dollar restaurant. Uh -huh. And the reviews were outstanding for the restaurant. And they closed in a year. We're, we're, um, so you would consider yourself more of a spirits guy? wine guy beer or I'm like a, you got a little bit of everything or is there I'm a little a bit of everything but i i am more spirits a little I, bit country but i'm a little bit well, yeah I, I don't know <laughs> no like i'm i don't want to say that i'm a bougie or a snob on it but the story I, like i like beer i can't drink beer i get the hiccups ungodly awful from beer okay. it happened one time i was traveling for work and i was in a car with some guys and we get we were getting ready to leave this bar that we were we had helping open up and one of the girls that was with us, she had a little bit of a beer left. And she's like, oh, I don't want to drink it. I'm like, I'll drink it. So I drank. Like, I mean, I've, it was probably two ounces of beer. And I just chugged it down. And as I was getting in the car, I started to hiccup. Three and a half hours later, still had the hiccups. <laughs> and I was trying to, like, we had stopped at gas stations. I was popping Tums. Anything I could try to get the hiccups to go away. Yeah. And I had tears running down my eyes. And the next day, I went to bed that night, still hiccuping. And finally was able to fall asleep. Yeah. And I went to the doctor the next six months. It felt like someone kicked me in the chest. And I, I go to the doctor and he's like, you have a bruised sternum from hiccuping. <laughs> and he's like, there, I don't know what he even called it. But he's like, you have such and such syndrome. I'm like, what is that? And he's like, that's the, you don't have the ability to burp basically. Oh. So I went home and asked my mom, I'm like, God damn it. Did you yeah. know this? And she's like, well, yeah, when we were little, you had to, we had to burp you. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, this would have been helpful information. <laughs> so due to that, I don't drink much beer. I can have like two sips of a beer. Really? And I do like beer. Like I really like is like it the ingredients. That's I think it, I don't know if it's like the carbonations. I don't drink pop or anything either. But if I don't, something about it, it, like that bloated feeling you get sits in my chest. And oh. I, I was literally I can drink a beer and I have to like go outside and stick my finger down my throat and throw up like an air bubble. Oh, so like wow. not have the hiccups. Okay. And uh, so I just kind of like, you know, I avoid beer. Like if I drink a beer now, I, I'll drink like. A Heineken or a Stella or like Modelo. Like one. One or two. Yeah, one or two. Like, and it's a rare occasion. Spirits go down a little easier for me. They're a little yeah. lighter. Um, but the problem is like I'm around spirits, you know, seven days a week, um, you know, multiple tasting different things, usually yeah. a couple times a week. And so you just get bored of it. And I, I now have learned more to drink things straight on like the tasting palate where 
So like when we do tastings and spirit gratings, you go in and we'll have like kind of like when you sit in front of us, like a couple ounces of a spirit and a mm-hmm. glass and you'll learn to smell it. And you get a couple different smells. You have a sheet in front of you, which is like a small yay sheet. It has different words on it in boxes you can check. Mm-hmm. And it'll say like Heather, leather, different things, pineapple, blah, 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 like different yeah. smells and limestones on there, gravel. And then you taste it and you put it in your mouth and you, you know, you don't swish it around really. You just put it in your mouth and you roll it around your mouth, like to the back corner so you can get it like your molars and then your lip. You spit it out and you do it again and spit it out and you don't really drink it. But you're looking for different tastes. Like, is it waxy? Is it smooth? Yeah. You know, how is that feeling? Does it have a long aftertaste? Does it, sure. you know, like, and that's but when you get into like. Kind of like the same thing as when wine tasting. Yeah, exactly the same thing as wine tasting. Um, and so I enjoy that. So like now I've gotten to the point where if somebody's like, what do you want to drink? And I'm like, what do you have? And they're like, I got this, this and this bourbon or this gin. And I'm like, I just want that yeah. straight up. Don't mix any ice in it. Don't do yeah. nothing. Yeah, 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 and yeah. like, I'll sip on it. Like, so getting drunk is a rarity because I'll, I can sit and drink like two ounces for like four hours. Okay. And be like, oh yeah, 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 that's, yeah. That's like nerd out about it a little bit more than I should. Yeah. But yeah, you know, and, but living in Iowa, Iowa's tough. You know, we, we kind of have that like good old boy syndrome still where bush light rules, black velvet rules still, biggest cells in, in the state. Um, bush you know, light, yeah. bush light kills it here. It's nuts. <laughs> People just go nuts over it. And I don't understand that. I do not understand that at all. But I don't either. Yeah, and they, but it kills it. And so, you know, you come from that and it's like, well, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be the one that's always shoving things down people's throat either. You don't want to be like, I'm so much cooler than you. You just kind of go out and say like, all right, I'll drink, I'll drink whatever you're giving me. Like, I'm not going to be picky yeah. about it, which is good and bad because there's times when I travel and people are like, what do you usually drink? And I'm like, well, you don't, you know, nothing you guys have here because you guys have fancy stuff. What's your specialty though? Like what is there, is there a drink where you're like, this is my money drink. This is Man, the one that I like the, for my go-to, depending on where I'm at, it completely depends. Like I was just in Miami and in Miami, um, one, one of the, my favorite bars in the entire world is, uh, is Sweet Liberty. I'm a guy that I, I knew and, and did some classes stuff with years ago. Um, John, it was a part of it. He, he just, he passed away this last year. So we go down there, you gotta you know, make a point there. And they do a lot of like classic tiki drinks with their own twist, okay. like rums, things that are really unique to the area. And so I'm the person that I will say, I drink to the area, okay. warm weather, especially like, you know, and you see that a little bit trends in areas like Tiki beach weather stuff is popular down there. Colorful drinks. And it's, and obviously Tiki is growing everywhere now. Yeah. The, the, when we, when we, you say Tiki, what, what do you mean? Like Tiki mean, usually means like Caribbean rum, uh, you know, things that are okay, like, okay, okay. like the classics would be like, you know, painkillers, Mai Tais, jungle birds, um, drinks that mix a lot of sweet, uh, a sweet, like, um, and like, and like fruit. Yeah. Kind of fruit based things. They're, okay. they're a little lighter, but they have like, you know, a, a lot of full flavors and they're okay. also usually tend to be very colorful, okay. you know, and, that, and like yeah. we have some bars here in Des Moines opening up that do that really well. And I got some friends that are amazing at it. One of Is my that friend, that new Tiki bar? Yeah. Bell hops me opening soon downtown. Um, the guy that's doing the menu down there, Dale is like, he's a great friend of mine. He's amazing at Tiki. Like you know, when people call me and they're like, I need to like find someone to do Tiki drinks. Like I'm like, I can do Tiki. I don't have a passion for it though. It's not my, like my big passion. So I'm like, you know, like Dale is your man. Dale okay. is like the dude when it comes to tiki. Best, he's 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 an amazing chef on top of that, which helps. Mm-hmm. But his tiki drinks are insane. And what is this place in? It's called Bellhop. Um, it's a uh, like they have Hello Marjorie, and now they're opening oh, Bellhop okay. down in the East Village. So yeah, it's gonna be nuts, you know. And I tend to try to drink regionally to what's around. Okay. And see, so, you know, like Iowa, obviously, it's cold. 
So bourbon, bourbon is king here. Whiskey. You know, yeah, whiskeys, bourbons, rye. You know, Templeton rye being close by. Yeah, does amazingly well. Um, you know, we saw the resurgence of gin. Uh, we saw the resurgence really of all classic cocktails in the last, like the first classic cocktail bar to really revitalize the trend was um, Employees Only in New York back mm-hmm. in like 2004. Um, you know, and then it's it's it takes 10 years to hit the Midwest. We've seen it happen <laughs> here in the last few years with classics, you know, the the Sazerac and That's old the fashions. Thing, right? That's the thing, like you go visit somewhere yeah. and you're like, uh, we're like way behind. I know. I don't ever want to be the one that gets down on Des Moines. Because, you know, Des Moines makes these lists. I just saw today that they had on the Today Show, like, you know, 10 places, 10 Top great places. five places. Yeah, and it's like, it's crazy because you look yeah. at, like, it's like San Francisco, Denver, Des Moines. You're like, most people have never been to Des Moines, but, you know, it's on there. And I don't want to be the hypocrite on it because I think there's things that are great about Des Moines, but I think there's things, too, that we're a little behind on and we're a little... Not even behind, just more conservative on. We yeah, don't want to yeah. like open up like our not liquor ready. laws. We're not, not, not ready for exactly like things. you know our CBD laws, our liquor laws. Like uh, as of like 2017, I think that there was like 5,468 gins, something like that, in America. Mm-hmm. And at the time in 2017, in January 2017, we had 21 for sale in Iowa. Oh, okay. So we are exposed what is to that. that. What is that? Why well, we have like... state state controlled liquor. Um, is some of that we tax liquor differently. You have to pay a distributing fee and things. And so when things don't make the list, like if this, you know, you could love this and you could buy all you want of this, but if it doesn't sell enough, the state will knock it off its list. So they don't allow it to be sold in stores. So stores can't buy it. So like, we're not bringing this in anymore. So you kind of get, you know, we can't order in here. Like you can order booze in, in Illinois. You can sit at your house right now and get on Amazon and click two hour delivery. They'll drop off all the booze you want at your house, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, you can't do that. I can't have, like I, I, I have had problems before where I've brought too many bottles into the state. You can only bring up to 12 in at one time. If not, you're you know, more than that. You're considered bootlegging. It limits the access of like new shit that's it does it does it limits the access of growth in general of knowledge yeah because you you run into you know and i think that's the scary part because not to pull politics into it but it's much the same as politics you only know what you know what you're exposed to yeah and until you allow someone to be exposed to things and try new things and understand them they won't ever accept them yeah yeah, you know that weird thing of like i don't understand you so i'm afraid of you yeah yeah, complex and and that, I think that's a little bit of our laws here with it, you know, and I understand the state likes control because it is a big revenue aspect yeah. of the state, but I think there's ways to ease it. And it also makes it for mom and pop shops. Like, you know, if you were to go, like if, if you and Laura were to go open a restaurant and say, we were doing food from where we grew up and this is our food and we want yeah. to have authentic drinking, well, you wouldn't be able to have fully authentic drinking right, because right, right. you wouldn't be able to get the products that you wanted there. So it affects business owners in that way too, that yeah. you can't really be who you want to be. You have to be, who you're allowed to be in the, within state limits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not that's not right either. Just like what the uh, the beer boom happened after the law of like the limit of yes. tolerance. Yes. Or, or like yeah, the beer. Like, like alcohol went from percent. 6% to like 15% or 13%. Yeah, 12% I think. Like someone like there like where and wine then, is. And then like this huge. It opens like, the floodgates. Yeah. No, and that's, it's interesting. So I, I, I meet with spirits professionals from all over the world. Um, and I, I, I've been extremely lucky to work with literally the top of the line mm. of spirits professionals. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about beer in Iowa, beer is so, un- we, we sell our craft distillers here, our beer distillers are so far and above what the amount they sell anywhere else. Really? Our, like 
we dominate the world in the amount of people who are like doing it and doing it well. Like, you know, looking at uh, Exile, um, Confluence, uh, Peace Tree, all those places, they they just I mean, they're they they have a following. It's like cult following. Um, I opened up Toblin Goliath. Yeah, Toblin Goliath. Uh, uh, you know, five one five brewing. Then there's there's a list here that's going that goes on, and they're all good. And yeah. you know, you go out of state, and people are into beer, but they're not beer freaks. I helped yeah. open a place here um, a, a year or so ago. Um, the out, out at the hall, um, the beer garden at the hall. There, it's a huge place, huge place, and they have people wait in line to get beer. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, coming yeah. on tap that day, and it is a big deal. You know, in other states, you don't have that following. You have that for spirits. And yeah. drinks, I mean, you have that, like, like here I tell people, there's been drinks that I've put on menus elsewhere in New York um, that sell for $21 a drink. Mm-hmm. They're, that same drink I put on menus here in Des Moines, and at $13, it's like, people are like, I'm not paying that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they'll pay $13 for, you know, an eight-ounce pour of beer yeah. because they love beer. Um, you know, and that's something that I think it has a reflection to do a little bit of just our, you know, the way of life here. Yeah. Like, you know, people are, you're taught to drink beer. It's just kinda. a small glimpse at what it yeah you know and, and, and not say anything against diversity because there's a lot of diversity of flavors of beer but when you look at um even even when you look at just the demographics of des moines you know we are we are predominantly white male society that's kind of it falls into that like that middle class to upper class society of beer people drink high-end beer like yeah, though they yeah. like beer we don't have a lot of white collar citizens here we have a you know a good amount, but we're we're still an agricultural based community, yeah. insurance based. So you have that like blue collar mentality. Like my dad drank beer, I learned to drink beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I drank beer. I'm a man. Yeah, kind yeah, of mentality. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's yeah. that's different. When you're in New York, you have the people that are like, I'm blue collar. I've never ever dug dirt in my life. I drive you know a Ferrari because not because I want to, because I it's because it's so cool. Like or, no, I don't need it, but I, I like to have it. Or bush light. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and they're not drinking a bush light. Like they could love bush light, but they're not going to drink it because they're like, that's not in my, that's not in my status quo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and here it's like we kind of fall into that a little bit. That yeah. like, you know, like I'm a down home boy. I'm I can drink whatever I want. Like I, I don't need that fancy stuff. Yeah, and not even going that far. Like if you go to Omaha, yeah, oh. Minneapolis. Like I went to Minneapolis like maybe like last December. And we ended up at this uh, nice, I mean, it make it feel like that those uh, speakeasies yeah, where absolutely. you go through the alley and like they have some no really sign, cool. They, blah, they blah, put blah. the time and the effort illusion, into it. right? They give you yes. the illusion. But um, you go there and it was a cocktail bar, like yes, it's like thirteen, and they were all like excellent cocktails. They are, which. My favorite part was like the ice cubes that they look like icebergs. Like yes. What like, is that? Tell me about so that. I, I, so when you get, when ice is a big deal in, in cocktails and people think they're like, eh, yes. ice is ice. It's not ice. No. ice. Ice. So the ice, how ice is made in many machines you see. Most machines in Des Moines here and even at any restaurant in the country, it's called what's called soft ice. So like, oh, whatever, a ball of ice or like they're shaped like an iceberg. They chip them off. Yeah. And part of that is the sales aspect so of it. I work a lot with organic farmers and a lot with uh, vegetable farmers and using flowers. I've been using flowers and drinks for, man, over 10 years now. And we would do that in ice or we do it on top. And it's about a presentation. Like, yeah, I tell people like, you know, you have a margarita on, a, on your menu. If it just says margarita and it's seven bucks, people are like, eh, I don't know if I want that. It can be called the um, El Jefe and yeah, be the exact same drink. People pay two bucks more for yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. You know, yes. or if it comes with flowers on top and ancho chilies and yeah. different things, 
They pay more for it. It's because like it, a meal, right? Like it is. If they describe it to you yes. in a it's certain a, way with You eat with language. your eyes before you eat with your mouth, no matter yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's that classic green eggs and ham store. You look at it, and if it looks like shit, you're not going to taste it. You're yeah. like, yeah, I'm not touching that. But it, yeah, you get into like, you know, like you said, like iceberg ice. You know, that's unique. All right, it's not going to melt as fast. It's also great as a profitability aspect for a bar or restaurant because you look at that, and you're like, I can give you a ice cube that takes up three fourths of your glass. I can pour four ounces of booze in that glass. It looks full. You know, it's much like the way of talking about James Bond in the movies when he talks about shaken, not stirred. Um, and that's kind of a pass at him being like, you know, he's just incredible hard ass. He's a man's man. <laughs> but when it comes to drinking, he's kind of a sissy. Like he's like, shake that because what he's going to do is you're going to add more water and yeah, more yeah. air into this drink and kill off the flavor a little bit. So that was kind of their play of like, how do we make him seem like, you know, he's got a soft side too. Ah. And so, you know, that, that sense of, uh, of that, it, it kind of got skewed through the seventies, eighties, nineties. We went through this kind of um, process preserved filled world of, you know, just like this world of excess where we'll give, you know, let's fake everything. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. drinking became this different amount of thing. And now it is back to that. Like the Renaissance is over. We sure. had this Renaissance period, which is now kind of considered over, but those drinks are still there. You know, there's the 70 to 90 original classics of the world okay. that now have come back. You know, old fashions were, have been around and kind of stuck through it, but Manhattan's as well. Coming back, right? Like every bar has an old fashioned. Everyone, you know, and like, so I tell people like you're building a menu or anything, you go to a bar, you never have to look at a menu and be like, man, I want an old fashioned, but I don't see it here. Yeah. It's like, that's you, there. Is that like it's mandatory. like Pepsi? You it's like going to McDonald's and you're like, I don't see Pepsi on your menu, but you have a machine over there that says Pepsi. Yeah, yeah, is it yeah. here? And they're like, Well, obviously, of course, it's here. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like you just know. And I build custom menus for weddings very often, where we build like I'll sit down with the bride and I'll sit down with the groom, and we'll custom build a drink around their flavors, to yeah. their percentages, and try things. Then I'll do it with their parents too. But it's it's more about saying like, what do you like? And they're like, Well, they always their mind your mind goes to alcohol. Like I like this beer. I'm like, No, I don't care about alcohol. Let's talk about what kind of food do you like? What kind of non-alcoholic drinks do you drink? Are you a coffee drinker? Like, do you drink coffee? I drink coffee. How do you drink your coffee? With lots of sugar. That's I've I've I'm not a coffee drinker. I've I've forced myself to be a bit of a coffee drinker the last few years, and I mean I add hot chocolate to my coffee. Oh, okay. Like, so uh, one of my favorite drinks to do is a uh, uh, even alcoholically is a, a Mexican coffee. So is most of your work, so you say you, you, you build menus for bars, restaurants, yeah, yep. weddings, special occasions. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of... Yeah, so I have my, like, I I, I do, like, obviously my, my TV show deal with Hy-Vee, which is new, and that's a little different because, you know, that's things that we want people to be able to reproduce at home, like with products yeah. you can find around the store, and we want to take some of the pretentiousness out of drinking. We want to say, okay, well, we have, uh, you know, you so can... So is that with HSTV? HSTV, yeah, and so that's owned by Hy-Vee. Then we go in and use like the the different spirits that they have, different products. I was um, looking at the videos; like they're like really good produced. Like yes, like, yes, they, they have dope. really yeah. Uh, Motion Refinery here in Des Moines produces those. Um, Deanne, the producer, is like the coolest woman in the entire world, and I look up to her so much, and I've known her for a while, and uh, I give her a lot of. So shit. Do you guys do like weekly episodes? So like, well, we monthly? we do they they do bi weekly right now, um, and we will continue to do them throughout the summer. And uh, we, you know we film we film all of them in like a couple day period of time. And I think we're into like June and July now, looking like doing some new content stuff. Yeah. And so I, I do do that with High V. Then I have like, but it's still fun to be a part of. And I've gotten lucky uh, since being with them. I got to go to Miami with High V to do a food competition where we had to meet Robert Irvine. 
and um, just see these things that they do in these big world like shows yeah. and like what the competition exists of. And it's, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's really addictive. Like yeah. makes you want to be on food network and yeah. be like, I'm doing this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I, you know, and you look at like the Bobby Flays of the world or whoever it is. And uh, you know, like it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about. Like they're not doing the highest end of things. You know, they, they actually, they have their restaurant that does the high end, but they have their TV show and it's more about doing what the common person needs. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of what our high V show has become. It's just like, you know, it could have been anything, but it was like, well, that's, it's nice because this is something that anyone can reproduce and they don't have to be like, I got a full bar in my house and I teach a garden and glass class, which is all about like taking what you grow at your house yeah. or in your garden and transferring it into a drink. Yeah. Um, that, and that's taking things to more of the culinary side. So like with my background, I guess I, I, I became a master of spirits and did all the tests and rarely stuck to the classic cocktails, but there was always part of me that was really interested in the culinary side. Like, I'm always a firm believer. If you can make it into food, you can make it into a drink. And so is, is a lot of your work like in-state or out-state? No, unfortunately, like... a lot of my work's out-of-state. Um, I, I would love for more of it to be in-state. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It's just, you know, I think maybe it goes to the education side of things a little bit. Um, people just don't. Back to like how much access. Yeah, they don't know or... what they need. And like, so, you know, I, I have conversations with. Yeah, absolutely. I have conversations with owners all the time that are, you know, they're like, well, I can just pick these drinks out of a book. You know, and it's like, well, yeah, you can pick food recipes out of a book too, but you're paying someone that went to culinary <laughs> school to produce them on purpose, yeah. you know, and it's the difference of making more money or making the, you know, you can make a, you know, you can make $10 all day if you want, but it, would you rather make $10 or $100,000? You know, it's, it's about having the right products and the right people in place to do those right. and the education, you know, and it, it's not just myself bringing it in. It's me coming in and training the bar staff, doing the program, creating a program that when someone comes in like yourself, comes in and says like, I don't really know what I want to drink. What do you suggest? And they're like, well, what do you like? Not yeah. saying like, oh, this is really good because this is really good to them. You might like, I tell people all the time, like if you go out and eat sushi tonight and then we're sitting in front of me at a bar and you're like, um, I like whiskey. Well, whiskey doesn't sit well with fish for right, a very simple yeah, reason yeah, yeah. that, you know, fats break down <laughs> differently in sugars. And, you know, so you don't go out and sit and drink a bunch of whiskey while you're eating fish. You just, you just don't do it. And, you know, so there's things that are in play here that people need to learn. Like, it's like anything. No one knows anyone's story. You walk down the street and you see some crazy person crying at the corner and screaming at the, you know, screaming at God in the, in the sky. And you're like, wow, look at that crazy person. Yeah. You don't know where they just came from. Yeah, you don't yeah, know what yeah. just happened in their life or what put them there. You know, and yeah. I think that's kind of with everything. You don't know the circumstances on which anyone is coming into your Because somebody place. can walk up to the bar and they're just like having a shitty day. They just need like a yeah. punch. Like, oh. here, give me that. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we always I have a theory. I tell it. people like when people come in and order a dirty martini, I'm like, you know, I have a theory either you had a really, you had a hell of a day or you're just an asshole because like the only people that like to drink olive juice and vodka straight up either is that because you're like, fuck, I really want to get drunk or, but martinis have this like classy. They do. Classy. They do. You know, and, and, and there are, and I, and I say, and as I say I that, if, I think I've had martinis, but I would feel uncomfortable ordering a martini, but a classic martini is classically is gin. Um, you know, a, a, a dry vermouth and, you know, even like a little bit of orange bitters in there and shit, you know, stirred around in a glass with ice to chill it and then back in your glass. And, you know, if you, if it's dirty, it's getting some olive juice and some olives. And if not, it's just getting extra a twist. Dirty. Yeah. Extra dirty people <laughs> like that, you know, and, but yeah, you get the martinis, you know, and that, and the martini culture opened up a whole new culture of drinking, of, you know, more straight drinking, like getting really the getting drunk like era, yeah. you know, where people drank before, like had a rough day. I have a few straight, you know, shots, uh, neat whiskey, whatever it be. 
And, you know, you look at that and like even the Moscow mules, which you know, Smir- the Moscow mule was made for Smirnoff vodka, you know, like a, a guy that had a, you know, a woman that was into the ginger beer world. And also in the, uh, you know, in a friend that was in the copper world. So they sold them, had to be sold in a copper cup and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and John Smirnoff, and Smirnoff was involved with that. And so you see this line of history that's like, oh, that's why we do that today because yeah. of the way it was done then. But- so, er- so you've been a bartender for how long? I've been so I've been bar, like, well I've been in the bar business for about let's see well I'll be thirty six so yeah so I started when I was about twenty really in so the bar like industry but I've been 15. actually doing drinks like I went like as we were talking about earlier I went from being a, a bar manager to uh, learning drinks I want to learn the science of it a little bit yeah. and I started doing I've done doing that for about about ten years now okay and you know people thought I was kind of crazy for going backwards in the world but. You know, it's about the science of it. And also, like we talked about, like I come from a family that has a history of alcoholism. And I kind of like, I was taught to fear alcohol. But I tell people all the time in classes and elsewhere, you know, food is the biggest drug in this world. More people die of obesity every year than anything else in this world, Mm -hmm. you know, or or obesity-related diseases like diabetes and things like that. And drinking is looked at to be a bigger drug than food. And that's only because we've been taught that you drink in excess. You drink for a purpose to get drunk, to get drunk instead yeah. of like drinking to just enjoy it or yeah. have an experience or have three drinks and be done. So drinking done correctly is just as much of an art as high end food. Long Island iced teas are the like epitome of like, you know, we always ask like when people come in the bar and they look like they're underage, cheers, cheers. they act like they, you know, they they come in and they say, you know, give me a beer or I'll have a Long Island iced tea. And they have no idea what goes into the Long Island iced tea. Jaeger bombs or vodka Red Bulls, you know, like they're the party. Like, like, those are like clubs. The club. Talking about going back to like just talking about like what people drink. Um, there's drinks that I, I can make that are martinis that are like martini style flavoring and like you have great pucker and junk in them. And I can make them in a nightclub setting for a, like a bunch of bros to walk up and be like, give me seven shots. Yeah, yeah. And I can make that for them and push it off. And they'll be like, this is amazing. This is so delicious. I love this. I could give them that same drink in a martini glass. And they're like, I'm not drinking this purple girly drink. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah, doing yeah. that. You yeah. know, people aren't much different than like national geographic. You know, you're out for <laughs> like, when you go to bars, you're out for a certain thing. They're out to like strut and peacock and be like, I'm the toughest dude here. Or they go out to be like, like I'm the sexiest watching. dude here. Yeah. It's yeah. uh, you know, it's unique and I don't get to do it as much anymore. So, yeah. I was going to ask you that. Like, do you do some bartending still or do you just kind of like contract? I, I do menus for people mostly, but then part of the deal, a lot of times I'll go in and I'll do special engagements for all the special nights of either special menus or we do once in a while. It's fun to like go be a part of like a party bar and be like, I'm just going to come back and sling drinks with you guys yeah, all night yeah, and just yeah, get yeah, in like, yeah. it's kind of gritty feeling like you're in there, you're just doing it. Yeah. And it's fun to do every once in a while. Honestly, two o'clock in the morning is not my jam anymore. Yeah, I, yeah. I, after midnight, I'm like, man, my feet hurt. I'm tired. I don't want to be here. Me personally, I, I really enjoy being the educator. Like yeah. I, I, I want to be that person that can give the resources to anyone else that needs them. You know, and I was a psychology major and a philosophy major. So you, those kind of play in the fact like it's a lot about reading people, yeah. knowing what they're there for, yeah. you know, and so you get your pleasures out of it. Like I, you know, the restaurant that I had up in Okaboji, we'd have people come in there and they meet on first dates and you'd be able to know, you know, and the difference is, is that you can sit there and like sit back and make their, you know, and they can be awkward with each other and hate their night. And you can really make their, you can say like, I'm not going to give you any perspective on life or drinks. Yeah. Or you can go up and like intervene in that awkwardness and be like. You're focused on them. Yeah. It's about their night. Like, I don't care. It's not about the drink. 
the drinks are going to be good or bad. They don't. No one's going to really, really remember that. Yeah. They're going to remember the time they have when they're out. Yeah. So it's about the experience you're creating to them. Things are set up to make people interact. Yeah. But when and then there's areas and places that people tend to psychologically go to when they're nervous to kind of shut themselves off, to guard themselves. So when a date comes to a corner of a bar and sit where they're not next to each other, but kind of at an angle, it's like, I, I know you, but I don't. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, kind of yeah, guarded yeah, myself yeah, away yeah. from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like when you set up bar tables at a bar or booths, they're always facing the door because you want to create that interaction eye contact when someone walks in the doors. So if I walk mm-hmm. in, like if you were sitting at a table, uh, you know, in the corner and I walk in the door and you're facing me, we make eye contact. We've already broke that ice. Yeah. So if I need to come talk to you, I can do that. It's not me walking up behind you and like blindsiding you like, hey, what's up? So you kind of read off those cues. So the bartender plays a role in Yeah, like, yeah. It's like when I tell people like bartenders, like when they're, yeah, like, when they're opening right. a bar, um, you know, it's like, I don't want you to worry about the entire bar. I want you like stuck on these four people because yeah. maybe you keep them there for four hours and maybe they give you a hundred dollar tip, yeah. you know, but so you just learn to like process things and process yeah, yeah, people yeah. and learn what they want. And it's not about necessarily people pleasing. Cause I don't think anybody should ever sell out who they are, but it's about, you know, you are there. You're, that's your it's job. about hospitality. And that's finally came back around, uh, uh, my group called bar smarts. Um, they're some of my biggest mentors to me in my life. Um, as far as spirits, Dale DeGroff, uh, um, David Wonderich, um, Andy Seymour. It's the this. mezcal. Yeah, it is. And he's a huge, he's actually the reason that we have mezcal in America uh, <laughs> and, um, is because of, because of him and um, uh, uh, Steve Olson. Oh my God. If, uh, hopefully Steve never hears this because he would, he's, he was born in Iowa and like moved away to New York. He's a big fancy man now. Okay. And he's been, but he was a big, like very, very, very influential in my life uh-huh. and, and with things. And you know, then now they, they are big on like, you know, the reason we do this is hospitality. You are in the hospitality industry. You're yeah. in the industry of serving people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, cause there's people who are like, you know, the customer, the customer is not always right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to an extent, like no one should be degraded or treated like shit ever. But so in a way they're there to be pampered like, and it's okay. So you're doing what you love. Yeah. You know, that, it was, re- it, it was really hard for me, honestly. Like that, that was a big, you know, thing it was like I I graduated Drake and the time when the economy kind of tanked and I like I said, we talked about earlier it took me like the better half of a decade to graduate didn't really know what I wanted to do I went to school because my parents I was the only one of my family's ever been to college and you know they they were really proud of that like me going to college and so I didn't want to let them down but I didn't mm-hmm. know what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and now looking back in it I would have loved to have studied business but business was not a way of my family you know my mom worked for the state of Iowa my dad worked for a building material company you know they were the kind of people that were like you get a good job and you stay there and you, and you, and you, you put up with the crap and you work your way up, mm-hmm. you know, just wait it out. Like don't go out there and be the rebeller, just, but you know, do what you got to do. Yeah. And so going to school, I studied psychology and had every intention of becoming a, uh, a therapist. I wanted to help people. I had fell into a time when we talked about, I played baseball. Um, and I, I that kind of all went down the tube and I went through a terrible depression and I wanted to learn about that. And I want to learn yeah. why, and then I started doing that as an internship in my last semester of college. I had one credit to graduate and I took all the tests and everything to go to my, my master's stuff and, and, and to become a therapist. And I realized that I'm like, this is not what I want to do. Like mm-hmm. I worked with kids that were um, sexually abused and mentally handicapped and yeah. I would go home every day and just be exhausted. And I, like the people that do that are just saints. And I realized I'm like, you know, 
I want to be able to help people, but this is not how I'm going to be able to best to help people. Yeah. And I, but I grew up in like where around Italian restaurants and around Italian people that were like, you came to the restaurant, they came out and talked to you and they came out and brought you food. You didn't order it, but they brought you more stuff. Yeah. And you were part of their family when you're there, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and they knew you by first name. And that always resonated with me. And I, you know, and I, even since then, I took a job when my daughter was born. I took a part-time job at Red Rosa Pizza because I wanted to learn how to make wood oven fired pizza. Yeah. And just, you know, we were like, I had people come from Drake into there that I graduated with and be like, oh my God, are you okay? Or, yeah, Why are you yeah. working here? You're working at like a, like literally the people, like, a lot of people I worked with were either like, you know, like there were some, some immigrants there that were like, you know, didn't speak English. And then there was convicts from jail. Yeah. And they're like, why are you doing this? I'm like, I just really wanted to learn how to make pizza. Yeah. You know? And they're like, which, you know what? So I, I, I follow this, this, um, this like a uh, big entrepreneur kind of motivated motivational speaker. His name is Gary Vang something, but Gary, I've v. heard of him. Yes. Yeah. All right. So he's, so basically what he's saying is, um, if you kind of tired of what you're doing or if you don't know where you're going, like, Start doing things that you really like. Find out what you really love and like go volunteer. Go, go volunteer. Exactly. Do it for free I, or I like be an intern. That. Like tell mm -hmm. tell somebody. Find somebody that's like in the leading edge of yes. that and be like, I'll work for you for free. After, you know, absolutely. Work, your, hour, I work wanna... your day and then go over here and mm -hmm. do it for free or like. That's you know. absolutely right. And I've had mentors tell me that before too. They're like, you know, if you go in and say like, I want to do this for free. And they're like, they're like, mostly they're going to be like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You're, we're, we're not going to let you do it for free. We're going to give you something or yeah. you're going to be so good at it. They're going to be like, Hey, we don't want you to leave. Mm -hmm. And is it Laura's brother? That's a chef at proof. Yeah. 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 Diego. Diego's amazing. Like, yeah. ama I mean, mind blowing. Like I look at some of his work he does and it's like, you're an artist. You're not yeah. a chef. You're an artist Yeah. and do amazing food. But yet the same thing is like, you know, that's not his he restaurant. He started it as a dishwasher. Too. As a dishwasher. Like, that's exactly. That. Like he knew he was going to go into this. Exactly. He knew that. It was just a matter of time before. That's exactly. And I, I used chef. this as an example. The same thing as an example. And I, I told this kid, I was like, if you want to do this, I'm like, tell me, like, like I'll wash dishes because I want to learn. Yeah. Like, that's it. I just want to learn. And like, they'll respect that. You know, like, if they don't respect it, you'll move on because you'll figure out you don't want to be there. Yeah. You know, like, but you have no ties to it. And this is kind of fucked up because like, I'm 38, right? You're mm -hmm. 36. So like, we know this now, but we didn't know this when we were like, no, 19. No, not at all. Like, uh, Lauda's brother is 20. I think he just turned 21. That's ridiculous. And, See, and, like, and, and at that age, I was like, I was like a lost soul. Lost soul. Lost soul. <laughs> and if someone said like, hey, go take a job cleaning so dishes, you'd have been like, I, I, my life is over. Yeah. Like, so. you would. And that, that, But that's true. Like, you know, but there's people like him, they're like... I'll, I'll clean dishes because I want to work my way up. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's, it's un, unreal. And like, you know, now he's creating dishes. And the thing is, it's like, he has to know, and he knows this. I'm sure they've told him that. And they're like, but he's creating menus. You're too. creating menus mm. and it's not your menu. Yeah. It's the head chef's menu, but mm. you're doing it, but yeah. you love it that much. And you're that good. Eventually you're going to get that opportunity. Yeah. And that's how restaurants become great everywhere. Yeah. And we get James Beard award winning chefs and we get, you know, places like proof in Des Moines who are doing wonderful things. Yeah. And, Jared, who does the bar there, does an amazing job. Yeah. And, you know, all the food there, no matter when it's always great. And we get, you know, places like that that are just, they, they set a new standard. And, and Harbinger with Joe here in town, uh, Joe is just phenomenal. Like his, uh, his his knowledge of like East Asian flavors is unreal. I've heard really good things. I haven't been there though. You know, I've only been there a handful of times. And every time I'm there, it's like, it, it blows my mind because yeah. you leave and you eat food and you're like, I'm not 
full per se where I'm like busting out my stomach. Be like, yeah. I'm so satisfied. I don't need yeah. to know anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great. In and you one know, of those places. And- yeah, yeah. And Zach at Reed's Hollow does a great job too. He's an amazing chef. Um, you know, and it, you just have these people. And- so you said that you were um, just like down the street a couple of days ago yeah. at a party. So like you're 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 for hire like you absolutely somebody so reaches out to you like what how do so, they find you like how to well so i have a, my website i have a website it's uh, there's jeffnaples.com and there's the beard behind the bar.com which is that's the name of my tv show on hs tv the beard behind the bar and it mm. which kind of came to get known say so i have a big beard and it grew when i was living in northwest iowa i was gonna get into the beard but then i was like yeah like, like that's another so, episode no, that's a whole, yeah that's a whole other thing you know which is kind of crazy <laughs> but so like yeah you know and it started out by like i do a lot of menus and things but um you know it, at times you become kind of stale just being in a restaurant with chefs all the time building yeah. menus around food items and things and like i enjoy doing parties people's houses or doing private parties where uh, there's options where we give them like they can pick three cocktails and you know like, i'm going to make fresh cocktails for everybody out of fresh ingredients and then we do class style and those are fun because you get yeah. people hands on. Like I'll bring in all the kits and stuff and give people cocktail shakers to take home and they can like try to make their own drinks. We teach them how to make their own drinks and do a variety of drinks. And everybody gets real hands on. And like, those are my fun times. And actually there are times when I can usually test out new recipes too, for like restaurants, okay, things okay, that I'm like, okay, you know, okay. I can give people's opinion on stuff. I'm like, ah, there's this so other on thing. the job. You're like already yeah, experimenting. Yeah. You know? And like, so I, I, I'm working on a menu right now for, for, um, a hotel group and it, it'll, you know, the menu will be 10 drinks when it comes down to it. But to start out, I, right now I'm about 150 drinks. So you people. do classes, private parties. Yeah. Help restaurants open mm-hmm. their own. Uh, yeah. You uh, know, like uh, I've always said, like, I've never been one to turn down people on, on things. I have a couple times. Like I've been, you know, there's times where I've been like, I don't think that's really in line with my vision. But I'll, I can always try to push like them towards... a dominatrix party. Yeah, that. yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, I've never had that happen yet. That'd be interesting. I would probably say yes <laughs> You'd to probably it, say yes Why not? It. Let's check it out. But, you know, like, whether, most of the time, most of the time, the only time I've ever turned anything down is when someone is either like, I want you to come bartend and pour rum and Cokes all night. Yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah. like, it's not worth your time and money to pay me to do that. But Let's take one last we'll do one little, last one. One yeah. last little sip. Little sip. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Um, I want to say thank you. We're gonna to have to do it again. We man. will do it again for sure. So I have, like I'm, I'm gonna be working on a menu the next three weeks, yeah. and you know, always need people to try things. Yeah, and stuff. And I'm so, always down to try. Yeah, it. you guys can come over and try it. So, <laughs> you know, like we're working on a, a purple potato cocktail right now. Whoa, the purple potatoes and pisco and some different things. So yeah, so you're always experimenting. Always, like you know, like I, I, I actually prefer. Yeah, they force you into being like. I have to find Creative. a way. To, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I love Please. that. I love it. Like maybe I love that's these. what keeps you like it is. You it makes you know. Like, if not, it gets it gets sterile because yeah. you can write. You know, there's a million recipes out there. You can write things out of a book. Yeah. You can figure out you know basics of things and do it real simple. But when it's forcing you to do something, like when someone's like, "I grow this product. I have an abundance of this," and you're like, "Bam, we're gonna use it." Like yeah. asparagus. Like it's gonna make people's pee smell and it's gonna look weird in a drink. <laughs> but we'll use it. We'll turn it into ice cream. We'll do whatever. So oh, yes, man. so hey, Jeff, cheers, thank you, man. Cheers, yes. And um, you must have you're gonna have to come back. I will. I absolutely come back, and I'll bring more drinks. All right, man. So thank All right. you, thank you. Yes. All right. All right. So that was Jeff Naples. Great conversation. I had a blast. I had like uh, three or four glasses of mezcal. That's nice. And I ended up eating the warm a couple of days later. I want to thank Jeff Naples. Great conversation. He's going to have to come back and do it again and drink some more um, and talk more about 
you know what he does and his passion so anybody that comes here i really enjoy talking to them so jeff was no exception so everybody thank you for listening to this venture of ours kenji nakata social security number (laughs) fucking asshole (laughs) social security number 899 um for helping me through all this uh it's the fifth episode i'm excited we already got some conversations recorded with some really cool people so look out for those episodes coming up so thank you again and we'll see you soon